Comedy is fucking hard. Get off the stage, you're not funny, man. You're stealing material. No dirty jokes on stage, but I'm gonna fucking kick your ass out. Shut it down. Everybody, I'd like to thank our sponsor for the for this show, uh, uh, Big Ray's Locksmithing and Deadbolts. Um, old Ray started a uh, about th- about thirty odd years ago. Ray, uh, when his li- wife left him, uh, uh, decided that he would start his own business, and uh, he did, he created a steel foundry here here in town. And uh, and uh, since then, he's just he's been making you know deadbolts and and, uh, and door handles and doorknobs and and whatnot, and uh, which he's been making a real fine living off of it which uh you know it goes to show uh when you know when one one door closes oh old big ray will lock it and he'll 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 dead he'll throw a deadbolt on and he'll lock it shut um so big rays uh big rays uh locksmithing and deadbolts um just here in town uh you know if you ever need a deadbolt just uh Look them up. Big race. Everybody, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Funny Stop Comedy Club podcast. Don't, joining me today is uh, Don Jameson. Hey, what's happening? I appreciate you joining me, man. Yeah, this um, is where it's the calm before the storm. This is it. We don't know when. Well, I don't care about the audience. You don't know when Pete's going to walk up and. Oh, I left it. Yeah. Start I always yelling, have a cheer for Pete. Yelling and screaming. But, uh, uh, absolutely. That's the best <laughs> part of the podcast, honestly. Uh, he, uh, every episode, he'll uh, we'll be deep into something, and then he, uh, he'll just jump in. He'll be like, let me tell you about this fucking guy. Yeah. 1985. And it's like, <laughs> all right, we got, a, we got a story about Pete, 1985. Yeah. We're in. Absolutely. But uh, what Pete has that I think is something that even maybe myself and a lot of other young comics lack is just a presence. Yeah, just a real presence there. I don't know. Maybe you've known him a lot longer than I have, so maybe I don't know. Maybe it's 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 been jaded a bit, but it, the guy just has, he's a there's so much conviction in who he is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and, that, and comics do need that. And I think yeah, I think on that's stage, a, and it doesn't matter. Look, it doesn't matter if you're a high energy act or if you're more deadpan. You still have to have a, a, some kind of presence. There's got to mm-hmm. be some performance element that makes you compelling to people, you know. So, you know, some people maybe Sam Kinison is more their style, a little more manic and crazy, or you know Stephen Wright. You know, they might like it a little more like one-liners. But there's still, you know, even Stephen Wright has an energy to him, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sort of doesn't matter what you do if, if you have a certain confidence and you have a stage presence. You, whatever style you have is, you know, it's going to work. You think even you know somebody like Stephen Wright, who might be you know a little more uh, mild mannered, um, and and even the the comics maybe like a Hedberg who's kind of coming off as as kind of nervous energy. Yeah. Even do you think the audience because he can even pick up that like it, it's they're secure in a way because they they know that there's a confidence and there's conviction there. Whereas somebody who maybe is appearing overly confident, like we can kind of sense even non verbally that. Like, okay, yeah. he's not confident. Like, he maybe doesn't even believe in what he's doing. No, it's true. I mean, audi- any audience can sense if a comic is nervous or they're not in control of the room. Mm-hmm. They'll sense that in a heartbeat. And then they can also sense somebody who who's being overconfident, and they can see that they're not in control of the room, that. that they're trying to compensate. Like, even the, even the, the 
audiences that aren't the brightest can pick that stuff up immediately. It's, it's like some animal instinct because like yeah. you see a comic come up sometimes. Um, like let's say we're doing like an amateur night and uh, like one of the, the headliners stops in and wants to do a little time. He just walks up on the stage and he'll go, God damn. And they just erupt maybe after three dead comics. Right. And it's like that's all. That you know, that's it, but they picked up on something. So I, I, I think they it picked like up the, on the dirty stuff. This is what they picked up. People like dirty comedy. Well, even if you know, well, you know what I'm talking about. Though. Like even if they just came up, they're like, oh my god! Like you can tell there's a there's a presence and conviction there. Yeah, yeah. There's you know, people can sense if, you, if you're confident on stage. They like that. You know, they, even 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 when you have a rowdy crowd, you know, with hecklers and stuff, they they want you to be in control of the room. And if you're not, then they're you're gonna lose them immediately. You know, and then and then you got to dig yourself out of a hole. Or Pete starts yelling at you from the back of the club. Yeah. <laughs> Last night, I had a guy uh, to do five minutes, a late show. Uh, he's in, from Chicago, but he worked for me a long time ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I know he's dirty, but I know he's that, that, that fucking dirty every word, man. For oh, five yeah. minutes, 20, 25 words. And I told him, he said, this is the way I do comedy. He said, you're not going to work no clubs, man, doing like this. I said, guest sets have to be clean. No, there's no feature actor or headliner like somebody dirty in front of them. Yeah, even when I even when I opened I opened for Andrew Dice Clay for ten years, and he didn't even want me to be too dirty in front of him because really? it's like people are gonna see you know over an hour of filth mm-hmm. from him, so he doesn't need somebody else to be up there and be super filthy. And he didn't. I mean, he never told me what to say or what not to say, but I could tell he would rather me not. You know, he doesn't need two of him up there. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that's what it came down to? Of uh, maybe just like, I don't know. Like, like, what did you? Feel, I mean, wanting somebody that is vastly different than his act and, and whatever that may have been. Yeah. Um, not but vastly, like, but just so we're not overlapping. Mm-hmm. Like the one guy that I've worked here with a few times, this guy Mark Rakadana, who's really funny, but and he's really clean, and I love when he features for me because mm-hmm. then, I, then I can. And I'm not really, I, I used to be dirtier back in, in, in my day, but I'm not much anymore. But I just love that we're totally different. He's more of a storyteller. He's clean. And then I can go a little wild mm-hmm. because he's just been, you know, basically yeah. t- just doing a very TV-friendly set, but killing, mm-hmm. which you need, you know, before you go up. You don't want to go up in front of a cold audience. So where did you get your start? Uh, did, like, did you get started with the open mics and everything? I mean, did yeah, yeah. Because so you started. Uh, you know, I've talked to some comics that uh, you know they maybe caught a little fame in a certain way, and then they were able to slide into maybe like a feature role. Um, but I also like talking to some of the comics that like started in the bars with three people, open mics, and is that is that where you came up? Yeah, there's no shortcut to this, you know. I mean, you see a lot of young comics. I mean, they, they, they're ready. After six months, they want a manager, an agent. It's like, well, you got nothing to manage, dude. No and after a month, they want to start a show. We, yeah, we and it's like, no, you, you know, you need an act first. And the only way to build it is to get on stage as much as you can. And, it, you know, those those early days of, of busting your ass at these, these open mics at, in the corner of a bar somewhere with the TV still on and three people are paying attention, you mm-hmm. know. It, those are the things that build your character, you know. If you can, if you can do those rooms and survive all that, then you come to a place like Funny Stop, and it's easy, you know, because this is a proper comedy but, room. Uh, but most of them, sorry to interrupt, Probably. most of them they be dirty in the bar. Once they come here, they suck. They can't do five minutes <laughs> things. They don't have it. Do you think do, uh, starting in a bar can have some negative? Uh I guess habits. I don't know if you could tell, but Pete doesn't like the dirty comments. No, I like the. I, I, <laughs> well, dirty. Listen, he doesn't dirty, like dirty, dirty, dirty feature, dirty headliner doesn't matter to me. But dirty amateur, 
Yeah. My five years old could come on that stage and say, fuck this and fuck that. People are going to fucking laugh. You know what it is? I, I'll tell you what. When I started out, which is over 20 years ago, the only places comics could go was either one of the late, do a spot on one of the late night shows or Saturday Night Live. So you always were make, trying to tailor your act to do one of those, which meant you were doing clean material. You know, and after the first four years, I was sort of like, all right, I, you know, I'm a nightclub comic, you know, and so I, I and I and I wasn't getting any uh, any of the spots in the late night shows because it just wasn't unique enough, and I certainly wasn't ready after four years. But, um, you know, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to do what I do. But it was was good practice for those early years to write clean and try to write to get on TV, mm-hmm. you know, and then you sort of find then you kind of find your own rhythm and what you're comfortable with, and you can go from there. But yeah, that's that's a great way to start. It's you know, you could always go a little dirtier later, but if you have that foundation where you know you can work clean, you know, if Pete said tonight to me, you know, work clean, I could do it. You know, I mean, it'd, it'd be it'd probably be twice as funny because the audience would see me like mm. it, would, it would almost be like struggling ironic. up here. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but it could be done. Yeah, I could do it. Do you think at, when you get to a certain point that as a headliner, it's not just about having maybe a certain amount of minutes and it's not about having 60 minutes. But, you know, like you said, like being able to do 60 minutes this way, 60 minutes this way or even. 40 minutes this way but then feeling the crowd out and be like okay maybe I need to do this 20 minutes that I wasn't planning on um, I mean how, how much do you think factors into being a headliner aside from just the time no, I, I, every comic's different you know I like to be playful with the audience if they if they're in the mood last night the late show you know every time I crossed the line a little bit they laughed a little harder so I kept you know pushing it with them and they were great you know I was having so much fun I was ad-libbing a lot of stuff and I was picking on people and it was just such a fun time but there's some comics Pete will tell you they have that headlining set down they know where every breath is Mm -hmm. they know exactly what joke comes after the next one and they can't even cut it they can't what? some headliners go joke by joke they can't even cut their joke they you you tell them cut your time, they can't even do it. Yeah, because they have it so structured. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's their style. My, like I said, my style is, I, you know, I kind of have an idea of what I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to say, and then we go from there. You know, he opened up for a million band, rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. He yeah. opened yeah. up for a million, million rock and roll band, million, million and a half, maybe. I t- <laughs> at least you, a million. You were last winter, you were coming here in April, and you yeah. got me. You were touring around uh, here. You yeah, know? and I'm going out next month. Yeah. Again. So. How do you compare opening for a, I mean, well, well I guess being having a, having a music act coming coming after you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and having people in the crowd that maybe came just for the music. How do you compare that with some people that are already primed and wanting to come just for a comedy show? I, I you know, those, those are like, that's where those open mics in the bars come in handy. When you, when you were like going up against these really tough crowds and you pulled it and you pulled it out that's what the rock crowds are like I mean when I perform I have a, I pretty much have a good intensity anyway mm-hmm. so you really need that to open for a band you have to hit them hard quick you know they're obviously in a comedy club they're seated they're having a reasonable amount of drinks they know there's a comedy show but yeah when I go on the road you know I just ask them please advertise me that I'm going to be on the, the bill doing comedy so I at least have a fighting chance mm-hmm. and with the rock crowd I have a recognition factor from hosting that metal show for 14 seasons mm-hmm. on VH1 so that helps but yeah you really gotta it's funny when I go out and tour open for the bands I get into that rhythm 
of performing. And then when I come to a comedy club, like my first show back in the comedy club, I have to like literally talk myself down a little and go relax. It's like a different rhythm. Yeah, yeah, like take it down a notch, you know, go a little slower. You know, with the rock crowd, you can't give them a breath. You just gotta, you know, Mm -hmm. you gotta, you're the, I'm the direct support. So I have to get the audience warm and warmed up and laughing, just like a band. I've always been uh, interested in uh, the, the rhythm, the rhythm and timing aspect of comedy. Um, I, I, I really enjoy joke writing, but I always enjoy those guys that, you know, I, I mean, you could take something that ob- objectively most people would probably say isn't funny, but their cadence. Through, I mean, like Norm MacDonald is an example. I, I really like someone like Norm MacDonald. And it's almost like he says things sometimes that aren't funny. Like, and he knows that. Yeah. But he knows, but he, the mastery is not in the joke. They're, they're dumb words. But it's the rhythm and timing, yeah. the rhythm, the pace that is, is that he's crafted. Yeah. And uh, and and that's something I've always been interested in. And uh, you know, performing for you know rock shows compared to clubs to even different gigs that you've done, is that something that uh, you know you feel you had to be cognizant of? Is you know, like you kind of said, just like switching up the rhythm and timing. Yeah, that for sure. It's definitely a different timing. And then it's also a different timing if you perform like in a theater setting. You know, if you're, if you're playing to 1,500, 2,000 people, that's a whole different time. And that's even slower than the comedy club because you're waiting for the laugh to come all the way back around the room. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, Norm, no, I think Norm's a genius. But I, I suspect if you if you typed out his, like, one of his oh bits God. and showed it to somebody and so said, this dumb. is the funniest thing ever, they'd go, where's the joke? I don't even know. So dumb. But yeah. it's all in his inflection and that... that weird nervous energy he has like Bob Newhart with the, those little stutters and mm-hmm. like all that stuff was done on purpose because it's Louis it, it, does that it's, as well yeah that's what that he adds goes, to the he comedy he does that whole like oh and then I, I was at a then a, a theater I went to a, and it's like you think that's just naturally him talking yeah but you see him do it on the next show and you're like that was that was all set up yeah but it like kind of lulls you in some way. Yeah, I don't know. It makes it more personal. The the thing comics are most afraid of is is the silence. And when mm-hmm. once you learn to embrace the silence, then you really become a much better comic. Yeah. You know, comics are afraid to let let the let the stuff breathe because the, the more you let it breathe, and you more let the more you let people sit on it, the the punchline is going to hit much harder. Do you think that also conveys that confidence that we were talking about earlier? Yes. Not just because I've—I mean, I've definitely had times where I, yeah, I say a joke and I maybe don't get the reaction I was expecting, and then uh, I just jump right back, right into the other one. It's like, okay, let's, right, let's get him, let's get him back with this one. You know, Don is an Emmy Award for uh, you and Jimmy together, or by uh-huh. yourself? Yeah, both of us. For NFL, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah. how, how was uh, how was your experience? Uh, That's right. I did win an Emmy. I should be getting paid a lot more. You got one Emmy, yeah. <laughs> Only Emmy winner at the funny stop, uh, I would say. I, I, I was hearing him on the radio when I called him, and uh, Mark Rick and I introduced me, and he came in that Christmas, and maybe five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. And play here, and I booked him one time, and I booked him New Year's Eve, but year uh, after. I like his style of comedy. I like his voice. His voice is good for comedy, you know? I, I recorded an album here. Yeah, yeah, and I introduced him. Yeah. <laughs> I introduced I did the introduction. Yeah, man. first That's take. Cool. Oh, you got it on the first one. Well, he did a bunch of them, but we used the first take because it was the mm-hmm. most Pete-like mm-hmm. before he knew he was being recorded. Yes. So when you're recording an album, are you recording, uh, let's say, are you doing all four shows and you're taking the best one, or do you know, like, tonight I'm doing it and i got to nail it? The fi- there's, you know, we do the five shows in the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I recorded all of them. But I, I know in this club, because I've played it so many times, that the Saturday 
uh, generally it's the Saturday early show. I was like, that's probably going to be the CD. And then we'll Not go tonight. listen. No. Slow tonight. Right. Good show. Second show will be better. You know when we start doing 7.30 shows? You know, it's uh, the first show a little light, but the second show, last night, the second show was packed. Yeah, and people aren't second show as strong either. You know, yeah. 730, it's a little early, but I do it that way because, you know, if you leave the club here at 11.15, you know, it's too late yeah. to start seating 10.30. When you start seating 9, 10 after 9, people will come out, you know. Yeah, it's I like those. The times you know, are better, especially for the late show, because like I said, people, it's that's a half, half hour, at least a half hour less of drinking. And those couple extra drinks... Can you know sometimes those late shows are, you know Summer, are rough. summertime in uh, here in Ohio and and all the area around here you know Kentucky you know because we have six seven months winter this is summertime it slows down a bit you know but this it's not the comics fault it's the weather everybody want to be fucking outside yeah. going to the fair fucking Summit County Fair mm-hmm. fuck me. <laughs> See what I'm up against? Yeah. I was up against Hootie and the Blowfish last night, oh, for God's sakes. That's, that's a tough <laughs> racket right there. That's, they're tough to follow, man. But, yeah. no, yeah, I, I, what I do like to do is I like to I pick one show, and I go and I give it to my producer, and I go, that's, that's the CD. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, if we had to just put it out as is, that would be the show. But then you have the luxury of listening and going, ah, oh, you know what? I've flubbed a little there. Let's check that on another night. Or maybe because I'm so extemporaneous sometimes you just forget to do a bit and i'll go oh you know what i didn't do the the thing about uh you know gorillas mating in the wild let's check the thursday show i think i did it there and, and then and you pop it, it in. in but i will say this for me anyway is i like it to be all my albums 95 percent one show because even if there is a flub or i trip over a word if it stays if it's a good bit and it stays in i like to keep it in the rhythm of the original bit I'd rather keep it with the flub than keep trying to cut and paste things in because then that's what it starts to sound like, that you just cut up like a hundred shows. I'd rather just keep the natural rhythm of the one show and then just pop stuff in where I need to. It was a really, when you taped, it was a really good crowd in here. Yeah, really good. It was good. really, what's his name, the guy he taped for you? He did a five minute, didn't he, in here? Dan, yeah. Dan, Dan, did a, did a couple of, it's funny. Dan the Song Parody Man, yeah. yeah, from the Howard Stern Show. He produces my records, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's a funny comic too, and he's just a real fun, creative guy. And you know, I heard some comics do their CDs in this room. I said, "Wow!" It's, I said, "It sounds really good." You know, I mean, I love the way this room sounds. Like especially the last show last night, man, we really got it rocking, and it's man, there's a great energy in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I heard it, when I actually heard it on a CD, it translated, and I said, "Cool, that's where I'm going to do my next CD." So. In- so on that note, do you think, uh, what are your thoughts on the venue that, to perform and, uh, you know, or to uh, record an album? Because, and by the way, this is, I don't know, obviously this is just uh, an opinion, but it's like when you hear people doing it in arenas, it's like, of course, do arenas. But as far as for the viewer, like I can, you can tell on Netflix when somebody does an arena that the, that the laughter is being chopped in, that they're not picking that up. You can tell that it's, it's highly edited. And, and, and I, I don't know, it just feels like that's the true magic of a stand-up show. Right. And, like, wouldn't you want to capture that? And I feel like when in, in a club setting, like you were just saying, like, that's what, that's what was captured in this kind of room. So, I mean, obviously everybody wants to do an arena, but do you think an arena or a big theater 
is the best place to record an Who's album. everybody want to do an arena? Why wouldn't any comic want to do an arena, right? Oh, well, you're going to be crazy. There's right? only a few. The, you, uh, have, you have to have No, a, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, that is the ben stratosphere. Do an arena. That's the stratosphere, I'm saying. Yeah. But every comic's dream, why wouldn't you want But to? I know a lot of people, well, and my, my, my comedy CDs are just are, are audio only, so I haven't filmed a DVD uh, with any of mine. But I will say this, you know, uh, you know, for me personally, this is just uh, for me. I like to capture the personality of where I'm playing. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I when I do an album here at the Funny Stop, I wanted to I want to have the character of where we are in the CD. I want Pete doing the introduction because I want people to feel like they're here mm-hmm. and get the entire experience of being at the Funny Stop. My second album I did at this little BYOB club in New Jersey, which is my home club called Uncle Vinny's. And, you know, like a wine, a wine you know, people bring in cases of beer and bottle, big bottles of wine. At one point, the bottle of wine fell off the table and clanked around across the floor. And my, my producer's like, hey, I can cut that out. I go, don't you dare. Leave all that stuff Part of in. the magic of the night. Yeah, like leave all that kind of stuff in there because I want it to feel like where it's from, you know. Sometimes these comedy specials, yeah, you, they're in a, a theater, you know. And they could be anywhere. They could be in El Paso, you Texas. They could be in Kansas City. The they could be in Boston. And you have no idea. I want it to reflect where I am. That why, why would you do it somewhere and not take in all the local flavor? The next one I'm doing is going to be in a speakeasy in Los Angeles. Like an actual speakeasy. A, a club, what, an illegal what, club that, that has a bar and a stage. What's the club? I, I was out in Los Angeles for a little while. I can't tell you. It's illegal, oh, yeah. bro. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's rad. He'll, it'll get shut down before he can do my album. That's rad. Um, but... Like that, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying with these, like, with with some of these specials that I see. Because I, I love, I, I'm, I love comedy, man. I, I consume everything that I, I love. You know, it's, it's comedy historian. I, lo- I love picking up all that stuff. But some of them, it, it's almost as though they're doing it. Like, imagine if somebody was doing comedy on like a webcam. Like, let's say they brought up a screen of them, like a projector, and they were doing comedy from New from New Jersey at the Funny Stop. Right. I'm sure that could work in its own way, but there's a divide. Yeah. You know, like they're, it's almost like they're just reciting their lines, for, you know, Life verbatim comedy how, they, how they, Life comedy and that's, that's how I, that's how it, how it feels when they do these massive shows, right. which obviously, like I said, every, everybody's dream and the money, of course, but like for an album, it's like, it's almost like they're just talking into the camera and nobody else is there. Well, I'm going to get that feeling. I think the next time I played the funny stop, I'm gonna, uh, it's going to be a hologram of me. Actually, yeah. So I don't. So I don't have to travel. I, I bet that's not too far <laughs> off. Please welcome Don Jameson hologram. It is. And then it just, I just pop up and. Live comedy is different. Yeah. When you're in front of an audience, it's real. When you start fucking telling me I'm watching, you know, I watch him sometime on Comedy Central and special this and special that. They're not like they are real, man. They're not. Yeah. I think they audit everything in here. I buy a million dollars. They do audit. Somebody doing a, uh, you know, CD uh, for HBO or something. They added that CD. You edit. Uh, yeah, they edit. Yeah, edit it. Well, that's a th- sometimes you know, I, yeah. I don't watch tons of specials. I'll watch clips here and there because you know, as a comic, you just don't want to get tainted by other stuff. But, but I've watched some specials and I, and I, and I could see the edits are so obvious. Because and there's no flow to the person set, even if they're the funniest person in the world. It's like they're talk, they're going from talking about you know horses to 
something completely unrelated. I go, there's audience a, shot, and then it comes back. And, and you totally know that's back. not the flow of this set. So yeah, it's those. That's why I say, man, I try to keep it as much in the same flow as I can. That way, you, you feel like again, you feel like you're seeing a real live performance and not just because anybody could record a hundred shows and piece together an amazing set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I dig that. And, I, and this is one of my favorite, well, my absolute favorite place because of that. I mean, even as a young comic, uh, it, there really is, in every club that I, I, I perform for, any any of these local shows, all that stuff, the showcases, there is, there's just an energy in here. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a gritty, live, and you good know, they're, hummus. they're with you. Great, yeah. great hummus. <laughs> Fantastic hummus. Nobody want to learn comedy the old way. Everybody want to jump, jump the ladder and go up to the top and none of them go no fucking place. It, that's, that's, Nobody going you no do place. see that a lot, which is, like I said, comics are just so anxious to, to get, Absolutely. make these giant leaps and you can't do it because you have to build your character. You know, there's an old joke with comics, that, you know, a comic comes back from the road and, and go, how was your gig? And go, oh, I drove five hours out there. They didn't give me a hotel room. I didn't get paid. Uh, um, you know, they, they, they pulled me off the stage after 20 minutes. They banned me for coming back. And every comic says the same thing. Who books that club? Because let me take a crack at it. Yeah, you always want to take a. There's no shortcut. You got to do the, the the crappy gigs to so that the good gig you can actually do the good gigs. You have to do your time. You got to pay to, your dues. To host the show, you have to do at least a year and a half. Yeah. And I, after that, when you have 20, 25 minutes, you could feature, and it takes you two, three more. Years. You know, average between five and seven years. To headline a club, you have to uh, yes. pay your dues. Agreed. You can't go steal somebody else's material. You know, I, I I had a guy before he used to do comedy for me. I'm talking about the older club, mm -hmm. and I told him he's not ready to go on the road. He could MC, you know. He went on the road. I think it was in uh, Iowa or someplace else in there. The guy, the headliner, he was doing his material. Feature act was doing the headliner's oh, material. God. They stopped him, and they kicked him out, and he never did comedy sense. And I told him, you're not ready to go, because I knew he's not, this is not his, there is a lot of comics, white or black. Now they, they, they go for the big name, like uh, Ralphie May died, now everybody borrow his jokes. Even Ralphie May, his joke wasn't his either. Everybody borrowed somebody else's joke. Well, I had a guy up here doing uh, Kevin Hart, bit by bit, for five minutes. Yeah. Bit by fucking, we, I told him. I told him, I said, man, this is not you. It's Kevin Hart's stuff. He said, no, I'm borrowing it. I'm not doing it. I said, you borrowing it? This isn't mute. It's not a cover. He's like a cover comic. No. Fuck that shit. No, you can't do that. And, and you know what? The, and, and the business takes care of those people mm -hmm. anyway. They, they all disappear eventually, you know. There is a Thumbna Comics came out for Amateur Night in Zagorn. I, you know, I'm talking 25 years ago. We have maybe 30 comics all together, all friends. Only three people made it to headline, and everybody else, some of them are still MC, sometimes 20, sometimes they're not. But right. anybody who worked on themselves, he could make it. Mike Conley, he worked on himself, and he made it. Yeah. He's been headliner for 10 years, maybe more than 10 years, 15 years. Marv Conner. But, you know, but you get some other people, they're not into it, they go, you have to play clubs to go someplace. You don't play clubs. No, who's going to discover if you don't play clubs? Right. right. Nobody. And Pete, a lot of people don't have someone like you to, to tell them that. because They don't well, understand. They do not understand. 
He, they do not understand, white or black, once they have five minutes, they go open next door to you, amateur night, that way they could hurt you. Do it 40 miles away, 30 miles away. Don't go open next door to me or three miles away from me. People, you give them your time, you give them your energy to feature them. You first guy, MCM, you first guy feature them. They go open a mic night on same fucking day, two miles away from me. What are you gonna expect me to be, Mr. Nagas? Fuck them. There you not go. gonna play Please. my club anymore. And so on that on that point though of uh, like not having somebody, a, a lot of people don't have somebody like you, Pete, to guide them because when I was hosting, they think how many I'm times, stupid. No, 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 no. They not, think I'm a dumbass, stupid. What I'm saying is, you remember when I was a host, my, I couldn't wait to get to a feature. Naturally, that was, I mean, that was, I was right. working my ass off to get to a feature. But you kept, t- I mean, for the last year, he, I mean, he's been telling me, like, like relax. Right. But, uh, but I, and I trusted, I trusted you. Um, you and then, and then about a month the ago. You best rocker ever. Thank a lot you. of women. <laughs> but, he loves that I have a lot of females in the audience. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, I, I trusted Pete on that. Like, I, I naturally did want that. And I think, all like, every comic wants to, like, okay, let me, I'd like to feature because it's the only way I can, you know, can get that time like be ready for that like everybody has time but it's like you really find out how much time you have and you know when you get that and you really find out how much time you have when you become a headliner so i was pushing for that but he kept saying you know just wait just wait and i trusted him but how many comics don't have somebody that they do trust like pete and that actually knows what they're talking about to be able to tell them because you know and then once he gave me my my feature to me it was the best weekend i'd ever had I mean, I was on cloud nine. Because you were ready for it. I, I, re- I, I really thought I was, and I, I, obviously he thought I was too. So then I start going, uh, <laughs> then I start going, he had me co-feature. And so then I go, Pete, you know, I think I'm ready for a feature. Uh, did, you see what, did you see what happened in there? Uh, yeah. He goes, relax, like, you need to chill the fuck out. Like, yeah. we just got you. But it's, it's very easy to be like, well, all right, I, I, I accomplished this goal. I want to try this one now. Yeah. And not a lot of people have somebody like Pete to go like chill the fuck out. Like, I think I I think I self-imposed a sort of restriction on myself to not move too quickly. So for me, um, and also because again I like to be very loose and and playful on stage. I like to improv and stuff, um, which obviously can fill time if you're good at it. You know, some comics are good at it, and as we said before, some comics don't like doing it at all. They just want to go through the jokes, but um, by the nature of the way I perform, I, I like to do that kind of stuff. And I, But I, I knew also, like, making that jump from, you know, MC to feature, I, I, that's got to have the material. I can't just say, yeah, I could kill an extra 10 minutes of crowd work. That's not going to happen every night. Mm-hmm. Some crowds are not responding to it, and so it's like, oh, no, and now I don't have enough material to fill this time. So I really held back before I made that first jump, and then when I did, it wasn't too bad. It was pretty easy. The jump from feature to headliner was the tough one. That's the one. Because you can't, like, you can't fake 45 minutes, man. I mean, that jump from doing 25 to 30 to 45 that last 15 minutes is so tough because it can't be filler it's got to be it's got to be strong and and it's a, a long journey that 45 minutes man you can't you can't you really can't have any filler in there it's got all got to be strong you know and like i said you can do if you're if you like to do crowd work and that's available great but you, you can't fake it, man, and that's why you, you really you don't want to jump up too fast, man. Just just take your time. You'll kind of know when you're ready. You know what I mean? Like it'll just it'll you'll really start to feel it. You'll build up the material, and then the problem becomes 
Now I'm coming to the funny stop for the sixth time. Yeah, I can't do the same material every time I come through this, you know, this market. And so it's like coming in with a new headlining set, you know, or at least as much new as I can do. So there's then there's that pressure. But anyway, one step at a time. And Pete has really instilled that, like, like slowed me down. And, and, yeah. and I feel like that has helped. And, and, it, and also like made me more content in, uh, in the pursuit. I mean, it's I'm obsessed with it, but, like, you know, I, I really want to, you know, just look at it. It's like, okay, we accomplished this. Now what's the next one? And it's just like predatory and it's like just let's go get it but he's just like just fucking chill Be, and, I, and I think it, like it goes back to like all the like the dark matter and all the all the things the intangible things that mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's like, Pete I can do 25 minutes I can do it man and it's like okay that's not what it's about can you do 25 minutes when it's tough yeah. can you do 25 minutes when they fucking hate you can you do that cause you do you do well when it's a hot crowd or something or it's like, and you, you, right. do, you, like, you do your work but he's like He's like, can you, you know, no, he, he's, he, he's he, like, can you do it when it's, can you do more time than you have when it's tough? You can do more time than you have when it's easy. Because yep. like you said, you can do a little filler, a little crowd work. You're and they're making vibing. stuff up on the fly. You're adding extra punchlines to jokes. So I'd come off one of those sets. Yeah. And I'd be like, Pete, like you saw how much time I did. Like you saw how that went. He's like, well, that was a fucking, that's an easy night. And you did some fellas more. I know I'm, I'm, he knows how much time I have. And then it's like, well, wait till it gets hard. And then you realize you don't have enough time. You mm-hmm. got to do 25. And it's like, well, you only have 19. Mm-hmm. So now you're struggling. And then that 19, when it's tough, turns into 17. Oh, yeah. I, I learned there was, I had um, early on, probably like seven years in, I started to work at uh, Dangerfields in New York City. And the, the rule there was no crowd work. But, and you had to do, I think you had to do, it was, they were 20 minute sets or 25 minute sets. I, I could never fill the time. It was just, I was so unnerved and it was pitch black in there, you know, because they didn't want you, they didn't want you to even be tempted to do crowd work and you had to just do the material. And some nights, you know, there was 10 people in the club and now you got to do 25 minutes of just material. And I was like, wow. I'm woefully short, you know, at being able to do this. And so that makes you just work a lot harder, man. Yeah. But that was a good, like, maybe you do that as an exercise, even in this club. Don't resist the, 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 the temptation to do crowd work. Let me see how long I could just do with material. I, I tried to, uh, Gary Goldman also, like, throws out these things. He's on this Twitter thing where he's yeah, throwing yeah, out stuff to young yeah. comics. Um, and he said, you know, um, always offer to go first. Like, if you want to challenge yourself. And I was like, that makes sense. Because, like, it is... And any, any comic would be like, oh, I'll crush it out the gate. But it's, it's objectively going to be more difficult than when they're hot and warmed up. Even if it's a hot crowd, it's going to be just slightly more challenging. Yeah. So I try to offer to go first as much as I can, too, just because it's like, okay, they're just warming up. They're ordering food. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can grab them there. Yeah. Because when you go seventh and they're hot, they're primed, they're fed, they're drunk, or they're buzzed. Yeah. Like, that, now they're having fun. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do little challenges like that, uh, but yeah, like like the less just strictly material, I guess it is, it is easy to sometimes trick yourself into thinking when it's a hot crowd yeah. and you're just talking shit. Yeah, no, that's so good. You should always take those little challenges, man. Especially at where you're at in the business, you know, it's like, you know, you got somebody who likes you here in Pete that this is your home club, and he's, you know, he he gets what you're doing, you know, he understands that you're challenging yourself, and he'll respect you more. And even if even if you have a bad set, it'll make you stronger for the next one. So mm-hmm. that and that's what this is. Oh, it's, he was giddy. I bombed uh, uh, probably three weeks ago. Right. Um, 
I, I, I'm not saying I've had all good sets, but I've had all d decent enough sets, and you know enough to you know Pete's been happy with them. I've been happy with them for the past probably five months here. Yeah. And uh, Pete told me before the show that he was gonna he was putting me in a tough spot. Yeah. He goes, see how you follow this guy, and I go, okay, I'm ready for it. Like, let's go. Yeah. And, uh, and I fucking I, I fucking bombed, man, wow. hard. And I was I was even stunned. I, I didn't even know what happened. I was like, this is my this is my stuff. This is the material that I think works. And I fucking bombed. And Pete talked so much shit after I got off. He was so happy. <laughs> and I wasn't mad because I knew, like, you know, like, 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 I grew up playing sports, man. So, like, I knew it was like a coach that, like, just fucking, like, let a linebacker come in and rip me. Yep. And it's like, all right, maybe yep. we don't scramble around in the backfield so much. Get yep. rid of the ball. Yep. And he was fucking giddy. And I, 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 I kind of took it as, like, a, I, I appreciated it. Because he, he, you know, yeah. he, he threw threw me in that. Like, he kind of no, no threw me in a place to get me, like, he kind of wanted me to get fucked up. Yeah. No uh, comic after a great show run, races back to the hotel and rewrites their whole act. Yeah. You know, so you need those humbling experiences, oh, it man. Because when you have a bad set, you, you're like, oh, come on, let's go out for drinks. And no, I'm going back to the room or I'm going, I'm driving, going home and I'm rewriting my whole act and I'm adding five punchlines new punchlines to every joke I mean, that's never going to happen again mm -hmm. but you don't do that when you kill you go like oh the that's stuff's right. fine you know but when you when when you eat shit it's like oh man i gotta i gotta go work this out right oh, now dude, i don't it, that's still because it's the worst feeling ever it lit a fire yeah it really did and like those little fires i mean that that's uh because i i'm at the point where i am i mean i don't i'm not trying to like work i'm trying to you know, do well when I'm when I'm here in clubs. Anytime I'm in a club, I, yeah, I really take it seriously, and I, I really do want to do well and do my best stuff, the stuff I've worked years on. Um, but it's it's easy, like like it's easy to get burnt out on some of those because I have, I mean, I have some jokes that I've been doing for a few years now, but they just they work, and I don't have enough material when I'm doing. Uh, like if I have to do a feature yeah. and I want to really do well and right. you know show you know show what I can do I don't I can't cut out the stuff I've been like my best stuff right well, I but, can't do that but yet. what you can do is you know re rewrite it give it a different mm -hmm. twist put a different punchline on it maybe change up the premise a little bit deliver it in a, a different way make it make it more deadpan or maybe mm -hmm. ramp the energy up there's ways to spice it up and keep the same joke more or less yeah I mean I I recycle jokes all the time where I just change the punchline or. I just adjust it a little bit, mm -hmm. or I or I kind of cannibalize it and make it part of you know take a line and put it into another joke. So you can do that, and that keeps it fresh for a while, you know. Or you know, you gotta sometimes you just gotta be brave enough to let it go. You like, know? Yeah, just let and it go then, and just and then, like you gotta work on the new stuff now. Right, and then you gotta work on new stuff. I mean, but I know it's tough, especially when you headline, man. It's like you're supposed to everything's supposed to be a home run, but you know. Where else am I going to work out new stuff? I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't go to open mics anymore, you know, and I'm, people, you know, I got to do it in front of a crowd, so that's where I do it. But, you know, I, I, there's ways to hide it and trick people into yeah. thinking it's, <laughs> it's polished when it's really not. But, uh, yeah, it's just, that's, it's just all the fun and the challenge of what we do, man. And, and I think, you know, if you take anything from this, if you're a comic listening, and it's, the theme is you just, there's no shortcuts. You just got to, you just got to slug it out. You have to do it the way comics have been doing it since the beginning of time. You got to start in the, the worst situations and build your way up. And, you know, don't, you know, don't try to rush yourself through. Don't try to skip a step. Don't take people's material so you can go on the road and, and make money. You got to do it 
the right way, and then you'll have longevity. I'm in this over 20 years, man, and I'm still building. I'm still gaining new fans, and that's all I could ask for, man. Well, hey, I appreciate that, and I think that's a great place to wrap it up for anybody that's listening, which is mostly just comics. We don't have a ton of people, but the ones that listen uh, are really into it. There are a lot lot of comics, so I think they'll really take this to heart. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, giving me some of your time, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Good luck with your career. Anything you'd like to plug for anybody that is listening? I'm I'm on all the social media stuff, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff, you know, which is – that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With us having to – Keep to our social, keep our social medias up and running too. Has become such a big part of the creative process with us. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's for another time. It's yeah, that's. I mean, it seems part of the job now. It's part of the job now. Unfortunately, it's the it's the, the, one of the job hazards, mm-hmm. uh, necessary evil. But uh, yeah, so find me on there and check out my tour schedule. And uh, yeah, you'll either see me in a comedy club or you'll see me out on a the rock band tour. But uh, either way, come on out and laugh and have a good time. All right, there's a, a link to your website uh, that I'm going to grab too, and I'll post that when I post the uh, podcast up. Oh, cool. Uh, Not yeah. DonJameson.com. DonJameson.com, everybody. Thanks again, man. Cool, brother. All righty. Comedy is fucking hard. Get off the stage, you're not funny, man. You're stealing material. No glory jokes on stage, but I'm gonna fucking kick your ass out. Shut it down.